Hello, gang. Genesis 25 and 26, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, then we'll pray. And uh, I know you can pray with your eyes open while you're turning your Bibles. How's that? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for letting us get together tonight. And uh, we pray for Aaron. Lift up his mom, Tia, as he's over there taking care of her and uh, doing what a, a good son should do. And, and I pray that you heal her and help the surgeries to go well and bring her to full health again. And I just pray that you give Aaron all the wisdom he needs to minister to his family at this time. I thank you for him and his ministry to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Beautiful love story between Isaac and Rebecca, and a little out of our comfort zone probably for most of us last week. Like I can't imagine just sight unseen, you know. And yet, it's beautiful, and it very much reflects our relationship with Jesus. Sight unseen, none of us have handled him, none of us have seen him face to face, and yet we just know. We know it's going to be okay. We know that God's word is true, and that he's faithful, and that um, we can place ourselves in his hands, and it's, it's going to work out. And, um, and that's what faith is. And so we see that beautiful example of faith in Rebecca. She just trusts this is going to work out. This is of the Lord. Um, that's all she has to go off of is somebody else's story. I came to the well, said the unnamed servant. I lifted up my prayer this way, and it happened just as I thought it would. And she had, that's not her prayer. That wasn't her moment. That wasn't her act of faith. Her act of faith was to get up and do faithfully what she was called to do each day. And in that, which we don't think of as faith very often, in that mundane, everyday walk with the Lord, doing what we're called to do, that's when God shows up miraculously and did in her life. And she meets someone else of faith, someone else who's going on, who, who we all agree. Now, that's a venture of faith to jump on some camels and grab a bunch of guys and go off to nowhere and just and, and hope that the first girl you see is the right one for this, for this man. That we understand, but the faith that she had, Rebecca, faithfully serving her brother Laban and and taking care of things like she's supposed to, doing what she needed to do each and every day. God was faithful to meet her right where she was. She didn't have to run off and search for him. I remember there was a big movement when the Pensacola revival took place, and the Holy Spirit was being poured out on this church in Pensacola, Florida. And the group down in St. Joe actually got busloads of people to go down there and catch it, to go pick up the Holy Spirit and bring him back to their church. Whatever, you know. That's not how it works, though. That's not how God works. He meets us right where we are in our doing what we're supposed to do, being fathers, doing what we're supposed to do, being mothers, being kids, being students, being bosses, being employees, just doing the regular things, and God shows up and fulfills those maybe unspoken dreams or unspoken prayers. He comes in, and there, God, how am I going to find a husband? I'll come, I'll come send for you. How's that? And it did. It's a beautiful story. So we pick up that story. It's about 20 years later. That's where we pick up our story here. Big gap. Abraham again took a wife, and her name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Uh, 
Jokashan, we got Sheba and Dedan, and these are all important names you're going to need to know later on. And the sons of Dedan were Asirim and Latushim and Laim, and all these are perfectly accurate pronunciations. And the sons of Midian were Ephah and Ephur, got a little lazy there, Hanak and Abida and Alda, all these were the children of Keturah. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac, but Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward away from Isaac, his son, to the country of the east. Now, remember what we talked about with genealogies. God does give us a little bit of the branch, but that's not the focus. We want to stay focused on the lineage of Jesus Christ. And so although these people were born and were very important and are actually believers, we're going to see later on, and believe it or not, these folks are the Arab nations that he sends east away from Isaac. So there's no competition, but they're going to be believers like Abraham was a believer. And so when they depart and go to their people, they're actually going to Abraham's bosom. And we don't think like that sometimes. We, we kind of think Israel was the only group, but actually they had a relationship because of Abraham with God. And I'm not saying currently, don't misunderstand me. Islam is, is not the same as our relationship with God. But these, Islam isn't even invented yet. Islam's very new, very, very new religion. This is a completely different time, time frame. And they are walking in the faith of their father Abraham. But he doesn't disregard them. He doesn't send them off and hate them. He, he sets them up and they're therefore fulfilling God's promises that I'm going to make many nations out of you. But our focus as God was going to go, so here's what happened to all these kids and where they all went and what Abraham did for them, sent them off with flocks and got them all set up, you know, such a blessing as a parent to be able to kind of help kids get started, you know, here you go, here's your stuff, you know, do, do the best you can. And he does that for all of them and sends them east. But now we're going to move back. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived 175 years. And Abraham breathed his last and died a good, in a good old age, an old man and, and full. Now, you're, you're, you're in see the intel, italicized words there, full of years? But those are added um, to help bring clarity to the text is what they do. So anytime you see italicized words, those aren't in the original text. They add those to give you some understanding. But, and that's fine. Leave them, read them. I'm not trying to take them out, but it's interesting to read sometimes. Try it sometimes. Read without the italicized words and see if it makes any more sense. And to me, it does. We talked about his years. We talked about how old he was. That's a given. But he died full. He died full, content. So important. So important to understand that. Full of years, great. I mean, longevity doesn't mean contentment. Longevity doesn't mean that you had a great life. Some people think that. We've got to live a long, long life. Eh, not so much, you know. I know a lot of people that died young and lived full lives and died contented, you know. The Scripture in the New Testament tells us that godliness with contentment brings great gain, but we've changed those words around. Godliness and great gain bring contentment. That's not what Scripture says. I should be content with the Lord no matter what my circumstances are, whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor, and so on. Godliness with contentment brings gain in your life. Godliness with gain does not necessarily bring contentment. It can. There is that, but that's not what the Scripture is talking about. You're an old man. You died a good old age, and you were full. 
There was nothing like that. To look over your kids and to say, man, nice. You know, nice. Looks good. And he was gathered to his people. That means he's gathered to Adam and to Abel and to Noah. And they're, they're all gathered to their people, gathered to the one place. Life after death, very much spoken of from Genesis on. Gathered to his people. And his son Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah. So those two are getting along. Remember that whole deal? Dad's dead. Isaac goes and sends and lets him. Remember, he was, he's gone, but something's happened. And there they are together at their dad's funeral. Son Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, uh, the Hittite. The field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth, there Abraham was buried and Sarah, his wife, And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. And Isaac dwelt in Beer, uh, Lehi, Roy. That's where he lived. Beautiful. Nice. So we got some background there. Let's move on. Now, this is the genealogy of Ishmael. Remember, Ishmael's come back for the funeral. May as well talk about him. How'd that guy turn out? Well, we're going to find out. Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's maidservant, bore to Abraham. Yeah, we're we're, we're aware And these were the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names, according to their generations. Now, I'm not going to go through them all because it's just going to be bad. The firstborn of Ishmael was this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid. In verse 16, these were the sons of Ishmael. And these were their names by their towns and their settlements, 12 princes, according to their nations, fulfilling the prophecy. Remember that? Let my son Ishmael live in your sight. He says, I'm going to take care of Ishmael. But I'm focused on the son of promise, Isaac. Oh, what about Ishmael? Ishmael's going to be fine. And he is. Twelve princes according to their nations. These were the years of the life of Ishmael. 137 years. And he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. Same people. I don't know if we ever pick up on that. Same people Abraham's gathered to is the same people Ishmael's gathered to. Just a thought. Just something to keep in the back of our minds. Again, don't mistake. And we get this confused in our minds because we have history is not our strong suit, honestly, when it comes to education. We, we go back maybe 20 years. You know, if I try to talk to someone, I was in Desert Storm, Desert Shield. You know, I pull out my Marine Corps hat and talk. They're like, kids are like, what are you talking about? In the world is that? Is that like Vietnam? Is that like something like Vietnam? I heard a lot about Vietnam. No, no, it's not Vietnam. This is way better. No. <laughs> Just history, we, we get it confused. We think Ishmael. Oh, Ishmael. Oh, it's a father of Islam. No, it's not. They revere him, but, but they're wrong too. It's just it's way off base. This, he's gathered to his people, just like Abraham was. So these are people of faith, trusting in the one true living God, waiting for the Messiah, just like everybody else. And when Jesus went down and led captivity captive and saw the people, Luke 16, I don't have time to go over that tonight, but you can read Luke 16 to get an idea of what we're talking about, Abraham's bosom and Hades and so on. Jesus describes it perfectly. Ishmael's there, right beside his dad, Okay. And so are all these kids, okay? They're going to be. He died in the presence of all of his brethren. Now, this is the genealogy of Isaac. Now, now we pick up speed because this, this is the line of Jesus. We want to follow that. We go, 
Abraham and, and, and we go Isaac and then we're going to go to Jacob eventually here in our story and all the way through to you know, David and so on until we get to Jesus. So we're picking up the trunk, the family tree, the trunk line here. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife. 40. You think you've waited a long time for a husband or a wife. 40 years. He was 40 years old when he got married. When he took Rebekah as, as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian, of Padanaram, uh, the sister of Laban, uh, the Syrian. Now, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. The Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? I mean, it's just so bad that she's asking herself, I've seen a lot of pregnant ladies and I've been praying for God to give me a, preg- you know, a, a baby, and this ain't normal, you know? So she actually gets to the point where she's asking God, I'm glad, don't misunderstand me, that I've got these babies, and I'm glad my husband's been praying for me to have these babies, but what in the world is this, you know? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, he answers her, yeah, that's a, kind of a deal, isn't it? Two nations are in your womb. Interesting perspective God has. Doesn't say you got two boys that are going to be like fighting like wildcats their whole life. You know, when God sees these two little boys before they're born. So let's throw the abortion issue out the window right now. Okay. Understand that he sees two nations. He sees what they're going to be. He sees all the generations after them. He sees what's going to become of these two boys. Not just who they are, but all of it. All the people associated with these two boys. I see two nations. Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. Two whole entire people groups. You said you wanted some babies. Well, boy, did you get some. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So God gives her a little prophecy little insight into what's going to happen. You're going to have two babies and they're twins. So the older serves the younger. Well, it's whoever gets out first, I guess. So that's the struggle here. Some reason or another, these kids are fighting like cats and dogs in there. You know, we see those cute pictures of twins, you know, that don't release each other when they're born and they hold on to each other. And we post it. We think that's really cute. This ain't that at all. God's going to describe these two kids, and they couldn't be more different. Couldn't be more different. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Harry or Esau. That's what Esau means, Harry. You know, not very inventive. <laughs> what should we call him? I don't know, rug, Harry, you know. We're going to call him Harry. That's the nice way to put it. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. I mean, you had to be careful what you did, even back then, because you got named on the spot, you know? Hey, look, it's big ears, you know, or something. And, and, And poor Jacob gets out, and he grabs onto his brother's heel. I don't know what that looked like. That'd be an interesting Sunday school coloring page, but grabs a hold of his heel, so his name is called Jacob. Jacob means, uh, well, it meant at the time, heel catcher. Again, not very inventive. You know, what should we call him? I don't know. He's got a hold of his heel. How about Jacob, heel catcher? Okay. 
And it becomes, it turns into the word supplanter or deceiver. And he's going to become just that. So they get named after some characteristics that they saw right away and actually fulfill them. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And that's a horrible way to parent right there. That's a horrible way to look at your kids. I love Esau. He's great. I mean, he's, he knows he's the outdoors guy. He likes to, yeah, he's one of them guys, you know. Jacob, I just don't connect with Jacob very but his mom loves him. Mom loves Jacob. Mom's like, I just love Jacob. He's always around the house. He gets it. He's a great cook, smooth skinned, not hairy, you know. And so neither, neither mom or dad are doing it right here. They're loving their kids based off, off these outside things. My kids ask all the time, who's your favorite kid? Which one's your favorite? I mean, they just, they want the pecking order. So I tell them, I don't like any of you, you know, <laughs> I have to. But I use it to my advantage. It's whoever is blessing me the most that day. Oh, you're my favorite daughter. And the whole. So I, no, of course I don't have a favorite. Of course you shouldn't have a favorite. You just love kids. You love them. I love their quirks. I love their insides, their outsides. I love, I, I love the openness of one. And I love the secretiveness of the other one. That makes me dig a little bit more. I'm not going to name names. Like, how's everything going? Fine. Mm. Okay, you're going to make me probe a little bit further. Or the other kid who won't shut up, you know. All right, enough. I've got enough information. Great, you know. I love it all. We love them for who they are, but not because. I, I love the wild man. I love the man of the field, he says. I love eating his game. I mean, what a great, he's a man's man. And Rebecca loved Jacob. Somebody has to. Sad. Not a good way to parent. So Jacob cooked a stew. So he's home cooking. And Esau came in from the field, and he was weary, unsuccessful hunt. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with some of that red. And see that word stew? It's italicized. It reads really funny if you don't read stew. Give me some of that red. I mean, you can just hear the hick in him, you know, coming in from the field. I need some of that red. For I am weary. Therefore, his name is called Edom which means red. So now he's got two names, Esau, the hairy guy, or Edom, the red guy, because he loves red. But, <laughs> but Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. Is this not two siblings or what? You know, you're hungry. Give me your birthright. Come on, man. You know, cut me a piece of pie. You get the little piece. I want the big piece. You can just see him arguing here. Swear to me, give me your birthright. So here's what he did. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. It's a much bigger deal than we think. See, Esau, a man of the field, a man of the, uh, you know, outdoors guy, a man's man, when Jacob says, I want that birthright, birthright's very important. The birthright is your responsibility to lead the family. Your responsibility is the firstborn to take care of everybody, to lead them spiritually, to do all these things. 
Esau could care less about that. Later on, he's going to tell his father, after he sold him this, and there's a whole, spoiler alert, they're going to mix up the blessing here later on. He's going to want the blessing. But he doesn't want the birthright. I want the blessing. I could care less about the birthright. I don't need the birthright. I don't need all that. I don't need that responsibility. I don't need all that. I'm a man of the field, but I, I do want the blessing later on. But he despised the birthright, the responsibility of being the spiritual leader of his house. Despised it. So many people want the blessing without the birthright when it comes to Jesus. I want the blessings of God and I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to have to be a Christian and to follow God and to be a leader and to stand up for righteousness and be holy because he's holy. I just want the blessing, but I despise the birthright. You can't have the blessing of God without the birthright. And that's where people make the mistake. Why can't God just bless me the way I am without all the other junk associated with that? And that's despising it. It's offensive to God. So you don't want to be an ambassador for me. You don't want to be the spiritual leader of your home. You don't want to lead people to my son, Jesus Christ. You don't want the responsibility of walking in this world differently than everybody else in the world. You just want the blessings. Well, the blessings are like rain, the Bible says. The rain falls in the just and the unjust alike. You'll get the blessing. That just happens. You know, sometimes we don't understand that. How could the, how come the, the good people die young and the old people, you know, the bad people die old. What, what is it? It's, that's not the case. Everything happens to everybody evenly. Bad farmer who hates God, good farmer who loves God, rain just falls and, 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 plant, and takes care of both of their fields, you know? And sometimes lightning will strike the, the good guy's field and sometimes lightning will strike the bad guy's field. And it just, it's like that. The world's just designed to be a blessing. And everybody in it gets blessed by it. Now, whether they acknowledge God or not, it's up to them. And so many people love that. And then they get mad when things aren't going their way. Even Christians get mad. I've got the birthright. How come I'm not always blessed? That's not how it works. It never has worked that way. And whoever sold you that is a salesman. That's not what Christ came to do. And that's not what a relationship with Jesus Christ is about. There's nothing to do with whether I'm going to be blessed. Yeah, you're going to be blessed. You don't go to hell. How's that? You have to burn in hell forever. That's a pretty good blessing. Oh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> he says, I don't care. I'm about to die. What, what, what good are spiritual things when, when I'm going to die? Can't eat spiritual food. He found a price. Satan always finds the carnal Christian or the carnal believer's price, and that's our downfall. We should never have a price. God should never be able to, or Satan should never be able to come along and get to a point where we begin to think, eh, I could give up the birthright for that. It's a price. Jacob or Esau has a price. Jacob wants the birthright. He wants it. Sell it to me. I'll give you stew for the birthright. I don't care about any birthright. Take it. Give me some food. Chapter 26. There was a famine in the land. Sound familiar? seems like we ought to pay attention to famines when they happen in our lives. They're designed uh, to test us, but they're also designed to push us in a direction, in the wrong direction. You're right where God wants you to be, and all of a sudden there's a famine. And that's going to move you in a direction that Satan wants you to go. 
And that's their, that's their problem. There was a famine in the land, just like there was a famine when Abraham was in the land. And he moved to Egypt. Same thing. Isaac's going to be tested. He's got to have his own faith. Can't go off of dad's faith. He's got to go off his own faith. There's a famine in the land besides the, fr- the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Here's where the Philistines show up. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God is always faithful to remind us of that. Right before the temptation comes, hey, hey, don't forget how much I love you. Don't forget that my promises always come to pass. Don't forget these things. Don't go back to Egypt. Okay, here comes a famine. Now what are you going to do? Go back to Egypt? No, let's start over again. You know, (laughs) I love you. My promises are going to come to pass. All your kids, all this land is all going to be yours. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless you while you're in the land. Okay, now don't forget that. Now what are you going to do? Here comes a famine. I mean, how many times? Stay where you're at, man. That's really easy for me to see when I'm reading someone else's story. Really easy. He's a bonehead. How could he not see this? I mean, duh. I'm not in his tent. I'm not standing there looking at your crops and your cattle withering away, your sheep withering away out there, watching your whole empire just begin to shrivel, you know, in this God's faith. And then all the pressure. Can you imagine all the servants and all the people the bleeding of the sheep because there's no water. All the, all the things going on. And everybody's looking at Isaac every morning. Are we literally going to stay here and die? Is that your plan, Isaac? What's your plan here? How are we going to drink? Is it just going to happen? Or You know, all these challenges. And Isaac has to sit there and just block it all out and say, nope, it's just going to be fine. These are the promises God gave me. Well, you didn't give them to me. I didn't hear him. We're not going. Ten more sheep died today. I mean, can you imagine the pressure he has? So I look at him a little differently when I think of it that way. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of the place asked about his wife, and he said, she's my sister. Wow. I know. (laughs) We're all going, wait, wait. I mean, that was for us, that was like, two chapters ago for him. That's 30 years ago, you know? And I don't know, maybe they didn't share that story with their kids a whole lot. You know, I don't know that I would. Remember that time, honey, I went down there and said, you know, it's probably not something that comes up a whole lot at Thanksgiving and Christmas. There's no Christmas. It's a joke. But he got the idea from somewhere, didn't he? It's amazing what our kids will pick up. Oh, you know, boy, and and they learn that a lot faster than they learn the good stuff you're trying to put into them. You know, ooh, that was naughty. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Dad, say that again. What was that word you said? I didn't say anything. I'm not. I'm talking about somebody else, not me. <laughs> but 
they learn that stuff quick. Ooh, that, the fascination we have with sin. And our kids are just wide-eyed. We haven't seen that in this house, you know? And you shouldn't have. And you shouldn't have. But they do. He got it from somewhere. So dad's dead. Mom's gone. He's on his own. The whole world is looking at him. He's got a beautiful wife. And he says, she's, she's, my, she's my sister. For he was afraid to say she is my wife. Because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebecca, because she is beautiful to behold. I mean, these guys had some good looking gals, didn't they? So much so they'd kill you for her. Maybe that's just how it was, kind of a Wild West situation. But now it came to pass when he had been there a long time. So they've been there a long time. I don't know how long, but it's been too long. And Abimelech, king of the Philistines, saw through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. He said, ew, that's not how you treat your sister. That's not what it says, but that's the idea here. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously, she's your wife, so how could you say she's my sister? I mean, nobody does that. That's just weird. You know? Even the Philistines knew that, and they were a pretty interesting bunch. So he's out there trying to, whatever, sneak a caress or, you know, rubbing her face or kissing her or something in the moonlight. How romantic. And the king's going, oh, you know, get up here. That's your wife. Isaac said to him, because I said, lest I die on account of her. I thought you'd kill me. Bimlech said, what is this you've done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Got to Anybody even, don't even think it is what he's trying to do. Stop the thought. And Isaac, uh, then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. It's just, it's just like a story. Just, oh, that just happened. You know, no, no elaborating on it. He just, I thought you guys were going to kill me. We're not going to kill you. Hey, everybody don't touch him or his wife. You know, you're all dead. Okay. I guess it's good. So they start sowing in the land. So he can be freed up to be with his wife and not have to have all these fears. And God is still with him. These guys are making some tremendous mistakes. These are tremendous mistakes in my mind. I make little mistakes compared to these guys. I don't do stuff like this. I never walk in and say, Jenny, you're my sister. This doesn't even cross my mind. And God is still with them. And he's still working. He's blessing him a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. That's always the case. How come you're so blessed? How come you have more than I do? What's going on? Now, the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug. So all of Abraham's wells had been filled up. It's kind of just a sneaky, rotten thing you do, you know, kind of thing, to keep your flocks alive and their herds dead. All, this, all that he had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you're much mightier than we. So much jealousy that they said, get away from us. Blocked up their, you know, just made it, made it a miserable existence to live there in their community, you know. Get out of here. Then Isaac departed, 
He's kind of an easy guy, you know. I kind of picture him like a surfer, you know. All right, man, you know. I don't want to go where there's no peace, man. So he just leaves. I'm just leaving. So Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. All right. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names of his father that his father had called them. So also Isaac's servants dug uh, into the valley and found a well of running water there. But herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. He didn't dig this. That's not how he operates. So he named the well um, Essek because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna, which means quarreled. And he moved from there and dug another well. See how he's just going? All right, come on, guys. We just dug a well. That's all right. You know, let's try over here. He, I make fun of him and say he's like a surfer, but he has so much faith in what God's promises were. He's like, it doesn't matter where we go. All the land's ours. They just don't know it. They can stop up all the wells they want, but every time we dig, we're going to find water. So let's just keep moving until there's a peaceful place. And that's what they find here. They finally moved to this other place. They dug another well and nobody quarreled over it, it said. So he called its name uh, Rehoboth, which means room, like room to breathe. Great. Because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. That'd be a hard pill to swallow, digging, doing all that work and letting someone else take it over. Fine, go over here, dig it. Didn't matter where you went. And only it's like closed door, closed door, open door. Oh. And not being bitter about all the stuff and all the work you did, all the things you left behind. Well, I, that's mine, you know, and you want to fight for that stuff. He says, no, just let them have it. I mean, we're going to get it later. They can have it. He just keeps moving. Something to be learned here. Good attitude. Just trusting in the Lord. What's God's plan for you? What are the promises in Scripture for each one of us? They're going to come to pass. Oh, yeah, but the world says this about Jesus, and we need to, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, testify of him, of course, but it doesn't matter whether they really, I mean, it doesn't make a difference. God is on the throne, even when they say he's not. I think part of us wants to make sure everybody knows he's on the throne. And we like to say that every knee is going to bow. Well, they're not, it doesn't matter how many times you say that to an unbeliever. They could care less. Every knee is going to bow someday. You know that? Right. Whatever. They don't care. It's a true statement. And when they're on their knees before the Lord as an unbeliever, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that kid was right. Or that guy was right. Or that gal was right. But we didn't change anybody's minds. And we got to stop worrying about who doesn't want to hear, who doesn't want to know who isn't interested in Jesus. Okay. It doesn't change my faith. It doesn't make my faith smaller, or less powerful because you don't believe. They think they're doing that to you. You can let them do that to you or you just move on to the next person. I hate God. Oh, all right. Well, he doesn't hate you. He loves you, you know, and you move on to the next person who might be ready. That's what this guy's doing. He digs a well produces water. That's ours. All right. Until finally God makes room for him. And then he went up from there to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there. It's the first one and the only one he ever built. Built an altar there. 
and called on the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. It's a big deal to find water in the desert. They don't think of it that way. You find water, you're good. Everybody's going to be fine. You don't have water, you've got to find water. And there's just no other way around it. So they dig a well right there where God blessed him. God comes in right when he needs him to and reminds him, hey, I loved your dad and I love you. And I'm going to bless you because I loved your dad too. Don't fear. Which means what? He was afraid. Or he's going to go down that road. God is faithful to step into our lives and encourage us right before we need it. If we'll hear him. If we'll hear him. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Fickle. That's not how you pronounce it, but it sounds funny. The commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? Remember that. These guys just sent him away. You've got too much stuff. Get out of here. Every well he dug, they kept taking it from him until finally they came to this Rehoboth. Now they go seek him out. You guys hate me. But they said, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. That's not how it went down, but okay. You are now the blessed of the Lord. People, what a great name, fickle. (laughs) They're just fickle. Get out of here, you blessed of the Lord. We love you, you blessed of the Lord. And it's like, okay, the world is crazy. The world is crazy. They have no idea. They are governing themselves. They have removed the headship of God from their lives. They've been ruling with their own decisions, their own thoughts. They have their own world vision, which is skewed and covered with sin. They cannot see righteousness. They do not understand holiness. They have no idea who God is. And they come and they can be your best friend one day and hate you the next. Your walk, my walk with Jesus cannot be dependent upon how they feel about you. Because you will either feel bad because they hate you that day or you will feel good because they love you that day. And that is not where my feelings come from. My feelings come from the one who's the most important person in my life and that's Jesus Christ. And how Jesus feels about me is how I feel about myself each and every day. And he loves me with an everlasting love. And I'm his son. And he calls me his friend. And he's gone to prepare a place for me. And if he were not so, he would have told us. And he's going to come back and take us there when he comes back. And I'm looking forward to all that. And the world will hate me one day. And the world will love me one day. And the world will hate me one day. But my eyes are not on them. When they are, boy, you can feel your emotions just toggling like a pendulum back and forth, like a tug of war. Can't be the case. And, and you know, we, we, we have different words to say that to each other. You know, sticks and stones, they break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, it's so true. Don't, don't let those things bug us. Okay, you're blessed to the Lord. So here's what he does. So he made them a feast. And they ate and drank. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with another, one another. And Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in peace. All right. You guys love me? Let's have a feast together. Let's do that oath thing you're talking about back there, that some kind of oath. We're going to do this oath and we're going to have a good time. And I just hope you guys are blessed, you know. And tomorrow they're going to hate him. 
But for now, they like him. And he's just the same. He needs to be the same. We need to be the same. It came to pass that same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug. And he said to him, we have found, and they said to him, we have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Big deal. Isaac, we won the lottery today. You know, Got $250 million dropped in our lap. What are you going to do? You know, kind of thing. I'm going to have a drink is what I'm going to do. I have a drink of water out of this well. It's a beautiful thing. Wonderful blessing. Right after he'd been a blessing to those guys. When Esau was 40 years old, he took his as wife or his wives. And now we're back to Esau. Just got to throw this in here. And I think, well, a lot of us can identify with this. Some of you can. Um, I can't. Um, I've got two great daughter-in-laws, but some of you know what these guys are going through. When Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Beri the Hittite, and Basemeth, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. Esau, hairy, red, birthright hater, right? He goes, I got a couple wives, mom. Oh, and they brought, he brought them home to her. And they're both like, oy vey. You know, these women are trouble. And that's where we leave Esau. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement of these guys and their walk with you and how imperfect it is and how honest scripture is about people. Talks about them and, and uh, tells us the good, the bad, and the ugly. But most importantly, your words, as you were alongside of him, encouraging him all the way, I'm with you, I'm going to bless you. Uh, you don't have to fear because I'm with you. Not because the circumstances look great, but because I'm with you, you don't have to fear. And, and neither do we. Whatever circumstances, whoever's barking in our ear, whatever uh, anvil is hanging over our head, whatever decision needs to be made, whatever, we don't have to fear because you're with us. And we're thankful for that. Lead and guide us by your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your spirit that we might just be satisfied like Abraham was, dying a good old age, but satisfied with what you've given us. Asking for no more. If you want to, great. But if you don't, it makes no difference. We're completely satisfied with you and what you've done. Our relationship with you is satisfying, God. And Lord, help us never to get out of that place that place where you satisfy us, where we need more, something extra, something beyond Jesus. But we'd always be satisfied with you. So thank you for who you are, for what you've done for us, for the relationship you have with us, for the, for the blessing of these folks we get to read. Bless us as we go tonight. Preach you watch out for us. And some of us need a well. <laughs> some of us need some water. And uh, help us to dig and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.